Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. Welcome to the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. I'm Jacqueline Kinster, and this week we are talking with several authors of weaning books. Uh, So this is an exciting topic that I got the idea to do when I pulled out Loving Comfort uh, by Julie Dillamuth, and she is someone who has really inspired me because I purchased her book when my son was a toddler in preparation for weaning him and and just coming full circle to be able to chat to her and other authors of other books that I also purchased and have recommended to clients for years and given to friends. So I'm super excited to dive into this topic. Um, But first, I wanted to share so that we have some exciting news. So if you have not joined our program, The Nurture collective yet. Um, You still have plenty of time to do that and get in on the special guest speaker presentation from Dr. Liz Turner. Um, She actually had to reschedule, which is totally fine. Um, You know, as a working mom, I totally get it and we're here to support that. So Liz is going to be joining us on June 5th at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So you can come and join. We've got a couple of coffee chats uh, this month that are focused on the topic of ties. Dr. Turner has been on the podcast twice and she will be talking really in-depth about ties, being live, answering your questions. If you can't attend live, you can pre-submit your questions that she will personally answer with her expertise as a dentist that treats ties. So we're super excited to have her and that she's still able to join us. Um, And then if you want to access that um, guest expert presentation, our ongoing coffee chats, we have archives of our past coffee chats and guest speakers, a complete library of videos, guides, and resources for navigating every step of your breastfeeding journey. Go to thenurturecollective.co. We've got that linked up in the show notes for you. Um, So as a podcast listener, What you'll find here on the show is wonderful, but also kind of just scratching the surface and there's a lot more inside, plus support from Kate and I and Mackenzie and all of the other wonderful members inside our community. So I'm chatting to Julie today. She's an incredible author that is just uh, an awesome human being, and she shares with us the ins and outs of her book, A Toddler Meaning Story, Loving Comfort. And uh, this book is just I think so needed, uh, along with many others. So I would encourage you to really listen to the different perspectives of these authors who have written various weaning books on this particular topic. You know, it seems like a real niche thing. And it seems like something that, you know, is very optional. And well, you know, I'll figure it out. I don't need a book to do this. But uh, I think through them telling their stories and the feedback they've gotten from readers over the years, you'll find just how essential it might be to have at least one, if not several, weaning books in your collection. So listen in. 
Welcome to the show, Julie. I'm so excited to have you here to have this conversation about weaning and your book or books. So um, this is a real treat. I was uh, I was telling Julie before we had recorded here, like I bought her book, Loving Comfort, years ago when my son was a toddler as an educational tool because I needed some you know, ways of having that conversation with my older child about weaning from breastfeeding. So here she is. It's like full circle. So yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's just start with, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in writing children's books. Yeah, so I have been writing picture books for kids for about, this is my 13th year, I think, writing. And I got into it through writing about spatial thinking. So I have a background in geography and I wanted to write books that were like educational, but also fun and engaging. And the educational part was getting kids to think about where they are in their environment, tuning into their surroundings, thinking spatially, which means like thinking about where they are in relation to other things or how things, you know, spatial relationships. So we use spatial relationships for problem solving all the time, right? Everything's related to everything else. And whether you're like driving around looking for a parking space or packing a backpack or, you know, whatever you're doing, it's all about how things relate to other things and maps and, you know, navigation. And, and that's kind of my area of expertise. So I was writing picture books that involve maps and problem solving and storytelling with maps and just having so much fun doing that. And then for the, with the toddler weaning book that came about because I was in a, a group with some moms. Um, you know, we all have the same age kids and our kids were like two, two and a half. And there was a mom who said, I'm looking for picture books to read with my son about weaning. Does anybody know of any? And we were all like, nope, like that's have not heard about that, that, but that would be really cool. And I went home and I was thinking, well, I write for kids <laughs> and I'm in the process of weaning my daughter. So. I should write a book. And that's kind of where the idea came from. And then I kind of, I did some research and there were a couple of books out there. Um, I mean, hard to find, you know, self-published because the publishing world deems the market too small to have a viable picture book out there. And so there were a couple of books out there already. And what I found is that they were focused on like what you can do now that you're a toddler, like you're not a baby anymore. You're a toddler. There's this whole, you know, new world opening up of things that are exciting and breastfeeding's not really part of that. And so that, that was well and good. But for me with my daughter, like I was really concerned about not having that source of comfort for her because, you know, she, that's how she fell asleep was breastfeeding. And that's how, when she was upset or hurt, like breastfeeding was always our go-to and it worked really well. And she, like, she was so hard to get down for a nap, <laughs> like naps were a disaster in our house. And so, but I knew like on the breast, you know, she would fall asleep and that was like, so as with thinking about that going away, I was really like, what else, what am I going to do? How is this going to work? And so thinking about other ways to provide comfort because at that point, being a toddler, like that's what she was coming to the breast for, right? And so if I could think about other ways that I provide comfort, and that's kind of how the story developed. So the story is about Jack, who starts off and we see him as a baby, nursing around the clock. And there's some humor in there about, you know, like all hours of the night. And and then it kind of goes through as he develops and starts to explore food. And then the boundaries start to come on. But the other ways of comfort are there from the start, right? How, how his mother smells, the, heart, the sound of her heartbeat, the sound of her voice, her loving arms. And then at the end of the book, those all those things are still there, right? So he's he's moved beyond the breastfeeding, but all those other sources of comfort 
remain. And so that was, that was like really calming to me <laughs> as a mom, like reassuring. And so I felt that, you know, it would speak to other, to other moms and other, other people out there. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think that the story really centers on the boy Jack, right? And I'm curious how important you think it is for children to see themselves represented in literature and how does, how does your book contribute to that? Because this isn't your only book and we'll talk about that, but you know, it's a a story for children, but also for parents. Right. And it's, you know, I think books are a great way to open conversations with kids about various things, right? If a child sees like the story with here is a child character doing these, you know, different things, then the parent can like help relate it to the child's life. You know, what's similar, what's different? Um, what is this child feeling in this story? And what are you feeling? And it's a way to kind of, you know, expand the conversation. And for all of us, like we know that we're not alone in like either the situation or how we're feeling. And ha- by having another story we can relate to, we can kind of like process things, right? Process through the story. And uh, there's even, there's research um, just kind of talking more generally about, you know, if there's like scary situations or things or like big emotions, being able to process that through a story when you're feeling calm is really like helpful, just kind of like for how we develop and how we like how our brain works. Right. So if you're like, if you're in the moment trying to process something like that's really difficult, but if you're in a calm state, like you're like feeling safe with a caregiver, you can kind of go through a situation that would otherwise be hard to process. And then you can process it in a way that when you come across it later, your brain is kind of prepared to deal with it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com. And when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Yeah, and and you had sent um, this and, and we can link it up in the show notes, but Julie was interviewed for this article featured in Nature and it talks about you know, the depiction of breastfeeding situations in in children's literature. And, you know, I love the whole article. So, you know, we won't go into that and make it about that. But one of the things I really appreciated was just the notation of of the limitation of literature we have on this topic, right? So you've, like you said, there were some other books on on toddler weaning they were hard to find or what have you it didn't discourage you from writing one right and so the whole idea here is that you know should there only be one book right because maybe somebody sees themselves in one story and not another or you can kind of combine the two and especially with breastfeeding and weaning like everyone's journey is so different right there's so many variations on the way this can go and so you know i've i've heard from readers that like they kind of adjust what the text says to kind of fit with our situation more. And so like, if there's a, if you can find a book that really matches your situation, like the closer it matches, like the easier it's going to be to kind of get into it. It's going to resonate more. And so I think there is, there's a lot of opportunity for different 
variations of this of a weaning story, right? To kind of capture all these nuances. Oh, absolutely. And on that note too, I'm curious about the feedback from readers of your books. You know, is there something they've said is, you know, very touching or impactful? You know, I imagine, you know, it's such a personal topic, right? I'm sure you've heard from readers over the years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really wonderful. And it's been really rewarding um, because, you know, I, this book took about four years from when I wrote it to when it came out. And part of like half of that time was trying to seek a traditional publisher. And then the other half was getting it produced myself. And just during, I mean, no, it's hard, right? It's, it's hard. It's a lot of time and effort and like, what am I doing? And so during that process, I was like, do I really want to be doing this? And, and then it came out and just, I started hearing feedback about how helpful it was. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, and so in hindsight, it's like, well, that was a no brainer. Um, I'm really glad I did it. And, you know, just, and it's, you know, and I also hear it's not for everybody, right? Some people get the book and it's like, you know, we tried it, it just didn't work or, you know, but for the most part, it's been really positive. And I, you know, sometimes it makes moms cry (laughs) because it is like that sort of, you know, thinking about this whole, like from babyhood into toddlerhood and the mixed emotions that come with it. Right. Because, you know, it's, it's for moms who are ready to wean. Right. And I know um, like Lele Chilig, for example, advocates baby led weaning so your child-led weaning, so you really like take all your cues from your child. But in some situations, you know, that's not the answer for all moms. And like for me, I needed, I was, I got pregnant with my second and I really needed to put some boundaries and I really needed to get my older one weaned when she was about two and a half. And so like, you know, it's like everyone has to make their own choices, what's best for themselves and their child. And even for my own daughter, my younger one, this book came out like it was all done, like in book form. And she, we were pretty much at the end of weaning. So she was almost done with weaning. And I showed her the book and that was like the biggest mistake because she's like, I want to do like, I want this. Like I miss it. Like she was, yeah. So it didn't really kind of work for her at that time because she was almost at the end and it was like too late, right? It reminded her of what she was missing. And she's like, I want a nurse. And um, so I put the book away, but six months later, we either I got it out or she found it. And it was her favorite book for months because it was like this nostalgia factor. And I had not anticipated this at all. So she, you know, she like she loved saying, oh, look, I used to be a little baby. I used to breastfeed like her nurse. You know, we called it nursing. And she like went through all the things and she, she just really related to Jack and all the changes he went through. And she just like really loved looking back and remembering that time and like snuggling with me. And um, so that was kind of an unanticipated, like set kind of a second purpose of the book. And I've heard from a few other people that that's kind of happened too, that it kind of stays with them as something that they like to kind of look back on. Yeah. And then I've also heard, you know, different stages. So some moms have the book right in the beginning when their baby is really small. Some people get it right when they're ready to start weaning and need some like some help or guidance or like resources. So it's, you know, there's sort of all kinds of different ways you can use the book and get into the book. But it's, yeah, it's been great to hear there was such a positive response. Oh, that's amazing. And I know you've touched on it and you, you know, kind of went a couple of different routes to ultimately, you know, get your book to the point that it is. So maybe you could just walk us through that process of writing and publishing a children's book, because it sounds like you had one idea, but you had to make other plans and it's worked out. But uh, I think a lot of people don't realize what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out really well. Um, And I mean, at the time, it's like with any kind of creative endeavor where you 
know, I've never done it before. It's like, how is this going to work? But um, self-publishing has come a long way in recent years. But so, so backing up, I wrote the story, revised it a ton. And, you know, children's, like any kind of writing involves a ton of revision and workshopping it with other writers and editors or whatever. And so um, I got the text into the shape that I liked it, worked with a freelance editor and um, honed it. And then I found and hired an illustrator um, who was really on board with the whole concept of it. And I felt really got the message, which was important to me that the illustrator really understand like, what I'm trying to do. I hired a book designer and the book designer takes the text and puts it with the illustrations. Um, and for the illustrator, like I gave her, like, this is what I'm picturing for this page or whatever. And I, I broke it up into different pages and picture books are 32 pages long with um, some of those pages for like the title page and the copyright page. So then just kind of let the illustrator do her thing because you want to give the illustrator room to be creative and to bring, you know, their part to the story. The book designer put it all together and got the files ready for the platform. And I used KDP, which is Amazon's publishing platform, self-publishing platform, and it's print on demand. So what happens is when someone orders the book, they Amazon prints it and ships it. And that's like that printing part and the distribution part is a big like that's where that's the huge financial burden for someone who's self-publishing. Like in the old days, you'd have to, you know, get a printer, print all your copies, store them in your garage or pay a distributor to to keep them and send them for you. And that was like a huge headache that I was not like I wasn't able to take that on. And so by print on demand, put the book up there in a digital form and then it gets printed and shipped when someone orders it. So it's really ideal and um and it's worked out really well. They that KDP does full color. Um, they don't do hardback. And I have heard some, you know, like this book is a little bit flimsy because it's paperback and I've got a toddler and, <laughs> you know, paperbacks and toddlers don't always mix, but they don't have an option for the hardback. So that is a limitation. I think the quality is great. And I didn't even realize that until, you know, I, I saw you explicitly mentioned it because, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, I mean, there's plenty of picture books that are, you know, not hardcover and, you know, they're this the same quality here and they're not KDPs. So I, I love that because, yeah, you want to get your work out into the world and not have to be burdened with warehousing and right. shipping and all of these other things. What if you order too many? What if you don't have enough? Like it's it's probably a lot to deal with. So yeah. And the paperback does keep the cost down too, because like the full color, like that's a big cost there. And so not having the hardback is is also good for keeping the cost down. And you you have other children's books. Maybe you could just, you know, tell us briefly about those. And then if you have any other plans to write more books in the future and what those might be about? Yeah. So my most recent release just came out in May 2023. It's Camila Super Helper. And um, Camila is a wild boar character. And her neighbor, Parsley, who's a porcupine, is always involved in her adventures. And this is the third book, the third Camila story. The first one was set in winter, the second one in spring, this one is in summer. And I'm currently writing the one that is set in fall. These are about they're about, they're all about change. So there's some aspect of change in each of them. And they're all about using maps for problem solving in one way or another or storytelling. And so those are really fun. They're also all the Camilla books, you know, it's, she's a wild boar. She's in the forest. So it's about being outside, exploring outdoors. And I'm, I'm hoping that it in, inspires kids to get outside, explore, make up games. All my books have activities, suggestions in the back. There's a note to parents and caregivers and the note explains some of the themes of the book and why they're important and then provides 
ideas for activities you can do with your child. Um, and they're also adaptable to the classroom. So teachers can use them too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then Lucy in the City was my first book. And um, that came out just a few years before Loving Comfort did. And that's about a raccoon who gets lost one night. She gets separated from her family in the big city and she needs to figure out how to get home. And she's the youngest of her family. She's always just kind of followed along behind her brother, you know, not really paying attention. You know, a lot of like, much like kids, right? We strap them in the car, we go somewhere and they just kind of, they're along for the ride. And I wanted to kind of plant the seed of, oh, I can tune into where I am. And so what Lucy does is she, she's like kind of like sniffing because she's upset and then she smells popcorn and she remembers that she had passed popcorn on the way to these best garbage bins in town where she is. And so she could find the popcorn again, she would be one step closer to home. So she ends up retracing her steps and enlists the help of an owl who flies up high and kind of gets this like literal bird's eye view. That's kind of a gentle introduction to maps by looking up from a bird's perspective. And he helps give her directions to get to the popcorn at the movie theater. And then she remembers what came before the popcorn and before that and ends up finding her way home. And that's really fun because with this map like view, kids like to trace like where she goes and find the movie theater and the pond in the park and all the things. That's a, that's a great story. And that works. So the, my age, the age range is four to eight for these um, picture books, but even like preschool kids really enjoy Lucy in the city. And so it's really for a variety of ages. And then the other one is Mapping My Day, which is about a girl who loves to draw and loves drawing maps. And she takes us through her day and everything that happens, she draws a map to tell that story. And so there's an illustration of like what's happening in her world. And then on the next page, there's a map representation of that same thing. So you can kind of compare and I go through different types of maps to show the range of different types of maps there are and what you can do with them. And that's really to inspire kids to draw their own maps or tell their own stories with spatial relationships and um, yeah, and just be inspired with that. Oh, that is so cool. I love how you've brought that geography knowledge into this and created some exciting ways to introduce um, spatial concepts to children. And uh, it's, you're not a, you're not a one trick pony. So that's amazing. And also I wanted to let our listeners know too, that loving comfort has been translated into four other languages. So that's great. It's uh, what are, I know Spanish is one. What are the others? German, Italian, and French. Amazing. Well, we will absolutely link up your website because it does have all of the relevant links along with some extra goodies as well. And people, you know, can obviously learn more about you. I would just love to round this out by, you know, having you tell listeners like what, you know, what advice would you give to parents who are trying to wean their toddlers from breastfeeding? You've got, you know, a story in the book and and some extra material in there, but yeah, just for anyone listening today. Yeah. Oh gosh. What to say? There's so much I could say. I think, you know, the main thing is to like, trust your, trust yourself. You know, you know, what's best for you yourself and your child. And I know there's like, there's all kinds of advice with all different, you know, from every direction, but when it comes down to it, it's you and your child or, you know, your family and your child. And also realize that every, everyone's journey is a little bit different. So you, you might, and you might have this idea, like this vision of how it's going to go. And it's likely to go completely differently, right? Because we, when we, plan like I do this I have like this vision of like oh it's going to be like this and then it's totally different and I'm like it just throws me off I think that's why I like to write about change with the Camila books but you know it's there's resources out there and so whatever twists and turns it takes there's resources that you can find to help you to reassure you to give you guidance um, or even just like moral support so um, that's what I would say is just kind of be open to the journey 
and you know there's there's a community out there to help because we all have to stick together and support each other and do the best we can absolutely and i hope that this episode is part of that community for people where they learn about the support and resources and even just you know hearing that there's so many others that you know have gone through this and and are going through it i think is is really part of what we need to hear as moms so thank you julie so much for sharing about your books with us and your journey as an author. And yeah, I'm excited to uh, see your next Camilla book come out. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. My pleasure to be here. That was such an insightful conversation with Julie Dillamuth, author of Loving Comfort. We hope you enjoyed learning about her journey and the ways that her book can support you and your toddler when it comes to weaning from breastfeeding. But maybe you're a parent struggling with sleepless nights because your toddler just won't wean off nighttime feedings. Maybe it's booby all night long. If so, you're in for a treat because we're excited to welcome Katherine Havener, author of the book, Night Weaning Your Toddler, A Gentle Approach, for sleep-filled nights. In her book, Catherine shares her expertise on gently weaning your toddler off nighttime feedings, helping both parents and children get the restful sleep they deserve. We'll be discussing her strategies, tips, and personal experiences to guide you through this challenging yet rewarding process. So just a little bit more about Catherine. She is actually a colleague of mine, and I've interacted with her before on some IBCLC forums and groups, and just, you know, with COVID and whatnot, haven't really attended in-person conferences and things. So finally, finally, I got to connect with Catherine over something other than written text. Um, And so just so you can get to know her and her experience and expertise a little bit, she has been an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, or IBCLC, in private practice since 2016. She practiced in the San Francisco Bay Area until she moved to Roanoke, Virginia in 2019, where she has a thriving practice specializing in tongue ties and oral habilitation. So you can see Catherine is my kind of people. Um, Before she was a lactation consultant, Catherine was an attorney specializing in ethics law. Catherine is the author of the book, Nurses When the Sun Shines, which has sold more than 50,000 copies since it was published in 2011. She is the mother of four daughters, ages 9 to 19, and spent 10 years in total breastfeeding her babies, including seven months tandem nursing. So what I love about our conversation is that this is a, um, you know, every weaning book is different, right? Um, and this one particularly so. What's really cool is that the conversation we're going to be having with yet another author after Catherine is actually an author of a book about tandem nursing and weaning. So we've got all types of, of weaning books here and authors that all have very special insights and some similarities to share with you about weaning through toddlerhood. So stay tuned as we dive into the world of night weaning with Katherine Havener. Well, welcome to the show, Katherine. I'm super excited you're here today. I am just a big fan of the work you do because you're also a lactation consultant. So that's always amazing. But also I've used your book for my kids. <laughs> and of course I've given it out and, and recommended it to so many clients or friends over the years and what have you. So um, anyway, you're here and we get to talk about your work. So for the listeners that don't know you, yeah, tell them a little bit about yourself, your background, what you do, because you do a lot of things. 
I have many hats. <laughs> um, so yes, I'm Catherine. I, my main hat right now is I'm a board certified lactation consultant in private practice. I'm in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, but I'm also an author. I, I wrote Nurses When the Sun Shines, which is a book about night weaning. It's helped to facilitate that conversation uh, about night weaning. I, before I was a lactation consultant, I was an attorney. Um, so that was interesting, a little bit my first phase of life. And, um, and then now, yeah, basically I'm just practicing and, uh, you know, being a mom to my four daughters. So, um, it's a very busy life and I'm very grateful for it. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, so because, you know, you, you are a lactation consultant. It's so great. And what I think is awesome about your book is that it's really kind of this one part of weaning or one way of weaning, which is night weaning. Right. So I would love to hear like, I mean, obviously you're in the world of lactation, but like what came first? Like what inspired you to write this book even? Yeah. Oh boy. That was, I, I was, lactation was <laughs> not even a twinkle in my eye when I wrote this book. My, I had two daughters at the time and my second daughter was one of those, uh, you know, anybody who's nursing toddlerhood will understand this, <laughs> a boobyholic, like. She wanted booby 24 seven every two hours and I was exhausted and she was about 18 months old and I was desperate in there at the time. There was not uh, other books out there. And so I, someone told me, Oh, you should just draw one. Well, <laughs> I can't draw for anything. So. Uh, it actually came to me one night in, um, I think I was, you know, in between booby sessions and the, the text for it. Um, so I wasn't able to use it with my second child because, you know, she, uh, I had the, the book took time, but by my time my third child uh, rolled around and she was at that phase, I was able to use her for my third and fourth. Um, so yeah, that all happened probably in the, like 2011, I think it was published and I probably wrote it in like around that about 2010 or so. So you know, very, um, it became out of necessity because it's a very hard thing. The concept of, um, to teach a toddler night and day, right? It's very hard to, and, and to, and when we can have milk and when we can't, if you're trying to, to do that wean. So that's where it came in back, way back before I was lactating consultant. <laughs> oh, and thank goodness because yeah, I became a mom in 2013 and you know, I don't, my, my son, it kind of, kind of worked out okay with him. Like it was a, a gradual process and he was a booby holic as an infant, but then toddler was thankfully better. But my daughter was like yours and was just, it was intense. And I was like, you know, this book that I've been recommending to clients, uh, I need to get myself a copy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. You know, um, there's just, unless you've lived it, it's just, I, there's just some toddlers and I just don't know if it's temperament I just don't know that are just like that. And actually not just my second one, but my third and my fourth, they were all just very, really, and it's attachment, right? I'm an attachment parent. So I think that's part of it. And they just want to. And then I think at some point it transitions to from a little bit of the need as you get in infancy towards the, a little bit of the habit, which I think you get in kind of the, you know, second half of the second year possibly. So for me, it was a good way to kind of segue to still having boobies all day, all good. Anytime boobies during the day, but at night, that's just through some sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, yeah. I think it's so important to, to have that conversation of, you know, that it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Like you're, you're tapped out, you're touched out, but like, maybe if we just, you know, eliminate half of the day, like we'll feel better. And, you know, I guess I'm curious, you know, you said someone actually made a suggestion to you to write a book or, or to draw it and you, you didn't do that, but 
how how did you get really going and and solidify the idea of a book as being helpful to parents and toddlers with the weaning process? Well, first of all, there wasn't anything out there, and I knew, and I think, like I mentioned, I think I knew it was a, a harder com- thing to communicate verbally. So. If I, if we had a picture of, okay, what is it, what is daytime, right? And we can say daytime is, okay, well, the sun is out, right? And so I figured that would make it more tangible. And then of course, you know, children, young children love to look at images. They like to look at images of babies, you know, of, of breastfeeding. And then in the, my book, there's like a cat throughout the book. Um, so it, it can really, I think, just make it a little bit more tangible than just mom saying, no, you know, at nighttime, we don't have milk. Cause that's just, that's not hard. That's hard for an 18 month or a two year old to kind of really understand. No, it's hard. Um, and especially no with specifics, like no at night, during, you know, yes during the day. Right. Oh, yes. No, that's so true. The visual element. And yeah. And I know that apparently you're not an illustrator, but you had one for the book and the images are stunning and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear how that process of even, you know, just, just writing the book and moving forward through publishing and finding the illustrator happened because mm-hmm. wow, like just, yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes that book so appealing for mm-hmm. me as a parent, right. Is like, wow, this is a really beautiful book. I think that's, I think with a children's book illustrations, I feel like are everything. And I think that's been uh, helpful to the success of the book. Sarah, Sarah Burrier is the illustrator uh, and her work is beautiful. It's watercolors. And um, I found her back then. There was a website called Illustration Friday. And I think illustrators would put their their um, images up. And I was looking for someone who had that kind of um, a good night moon feel to it, who could do illustrations. And uh, yeah, so I had, I just reached out to her and I was really blessed that she was willing to kind of work on a, um, you know, a contractual basis for that, for the book. And so she, we, my brother actually, uh, oh my gosh, he is, he is a multi-talented man. And he, he did the kind of the, the video visual design of the book, meaning he and he and I and an illustrator would go back and forth and just trying to make sure things were uniform and that it, you know, we were conveying what needed to be conveyed in the particular page. And then he put all the graphic design pieces in together. So, uh, he's the uncredited <laughs> he's a person behind the book who really made it happen. Um, but of course, Sarah's work is, is stellar. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it just, it brings the story together so beautifully because like you said, this, you mm-hmm. know, night and day and, and visual representation of things and just, right. yeah. And and your book has been around for mm-hmm. a little while, which is so great. It's been a while now. Yeah. 12 years now. I know. Mm-hmm. Like, congratulations. Um, And I'm just- I'm grateful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And, you know, obviously there's like reviews on it, you know, when you go to look at the listing and whatnot, but mm-hmm. have you ha- heard from families? Like, have they reached out to you? And, and if they have, like, what have they said about, you know, the book and the impact it's made? Yeah. I've definitely, of course, over the years had a lot of good feedback about it because it does represent a, that piece of our parenting society that is more attachment based and it's, you know, and, and breastfeeding in, in, into toddlerhood and beyond, which up to that point, there was very, very little out there. So I think that's been the positive. Now, my book can't represent all segments of society. So I have actually contemplated, like, should I have a LGBTQ couple, right? You know, have two moms or have it not being in the family bed. And I think, I think you know, if there are other books, out there that do not feature that, of course, that would be a little less niche. But for me, that was what at the time represented my family. So, um, but so all that's where the feedback lies mostly aside from, um, you know, the fact that, <laughs> you know, some of them would like the hardback and there is actually a hardback out there. So, but in general, obviously it's been a very, I've, I've sold a lot of copies and I've been, um, you know, been grateful to be able to help 
people make that. It's really about the communication. So have, have that communication assistance in that weaning, that night weaning journey. Yeah. And it is, and it feels like, okay, here's, here's somebody who knows, right. Um, The book is, you know, as much for parents as it is for the toddler. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's somebody who gets this and that it's not easy and they're here to help me with it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool. Do you have, like, I'm just curious, do you have clients that you work with that like, they don't know that you've written the book, but like later find out. <laughs> it does happen. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of people or other like, you know, midwives are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was your book. And, and I'm like, <laughs> yes. I mean, I am definitely not the type that, um, I don't know. I, I try to stay humble. Let me put it this way. And, and, you know, I, I don't brag about things, but yes, it is, it is kind of funny. That's In cool. general though, um, I, I always offer my clients, like if you're going to be breastfeeding in toddlerhood, I will, uh, you know, you get a free book. Oh, so. That's really cool. Well, you've, you've done this book. And I'm curious if you have plans for any other books, children's books in the future. Tell us if there's anything going on there. Mm-hmm. I know you kind of mentioned maybe making different versions as well. Yeah. Um, so much is about the illustrator. So the, and f- for me, um, I, you know, a lot of people can use, well, uh, who self-publish might use um, illustrations, but, you know, computer stuff. But for me, I really want art. So um, yes, but I do have a second book that has been written and it's a complete weaning book, but uh, my private practice has been very busy. And so my attention has been more on that. So it is my hope next year. Uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of a life shift uh, for us and um, in a good way. So I'll have a little more time and uh, that hope to do that and, and get that put, put out there. Cause I think that would be helpful. And then, yeah, I don't know. I have, a, I do have, I want to write a book for parents uh, on my journey not specifically about my journey, but a, kind of a guidance about attachment parenting and how that has outpictured so successfully and so wonderfully in my in my life. Um, because when I started doing it, when my kids were so young, it was like, wow, okay, I'm going to try this. <laughs> anyway, so that that's my that was my, probably my new project after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be really great. Yeah, and I I think I don't know the the older I get, um, and I I love reading fiction books, so I, I like stories, and I think that you know, human societies for so long have learned through story. And when you share your story and and real practical um, examples of how things have worked out for you, we Mm -hmm. can find ourselves in that and apply those things. Like I just, sometimes it's very difficult to grasp an abstract or theoretical concept and go, okay, well, this is how to be an attachment parent, right? Like if you were like, this is how we did it. And these are all the little things along the way. That's right. Please write that book. <laughs> I think so. I, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think there's a lot out there right now about it. And um, those who choose this, it's, it's certainly, a, it's not a common way to parent, but you know, we just are, we are trusting the research and hoping for the best, right? Yes. <laughs> just, and I wish I had someone who's like, Yes, here it's going to, here's how it's going to turn out, right? Because I remember I have four daughters. People would tell me when I had young daughters, I was going to be in so much trouble. Like it was going to be so horrible when they were teenagers and I should watch out. And it has literally been the exact opposite. It's, it's been easy and fun. I love them being teenagers and that it, it's truly worked out. So I think people need to hear that. And I, and, and so that's kind of my goal, but you know, just with regard to the nurses in the sunshine, I mean, that's for me, that was what our parents, what parents, toddler parents are going through. I get it. Like, 
it was, it's exhausting. You know, you are desperate for sleep and, you know, and you're, and I remember like toddlers are like, I want boobies. I want boobies. Like, you know, and you're, and you're feeling overwhelmed. Right. And so that was my story multiple times. And so I, I just really feel for parents and I just hope that that can help them because you can still, what I learned is it's okay to say no. Like that was my, the, the linchpin for what allowed me to, to Nightween is that I had, you had to learn that it is okay to say no to having boobies sometimes. And when I, when that clicked in my head, like, yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to traumatize them. That doesn't mean you're breaking attachment. You're just saying no. And then that allowed me to say, okay, I'm just going to say no, no boobies now, but I still love you and you're still close by and I'm still giving you hugs and kisses. And that helped me a lot. Mm, Yeah. I think there's so much there that is like kind of between the lines of what you said, which is that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you can still be an attachment parent, but put some boundaries into place. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, breastfeeding is, is something that, you know, goes along with attachment parenting so nicely, but, too often we do see those parents who end up just, you know, kind of self-sacrificing in the name of attachment, which is not healthy attachment, right? It's it's unhealthy attachment. So there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, but boundaries, you're right. That's a better word than no. Yeah. If boundaries and, and yeah, I think, you know, like you're saying, giving yourself permission to say no, right. And to see that, you know, this is a relationship with your Mm -hmm. child, right? I always like to say that breastfeeding is a relationship and, you know, utilizing something like night weaning to continue that relationship, evolve it, mature it. That's awesome that you're now seeing the results of that style of parenting. Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm, I am super grateful. And I just want parents to know that it is okay. Like it is, and it's more than okay. If if, if breastfeeding isn't working for you, it's not working, you know, let's, so let's, what, what, what can we do to make it work? And, and this is one way of making it work and taking that stress up and allowing you to be a better parent because you're rested. So yeah, that's a really important, I think, distinctions. Yeah. And I think it's great to have a, a sort of in-between option, if you will, to say it doesn't have to be, okay, nursing or weaning. There's this thing called night weaning. And yeah, probably you're going to want to pick the nighttime to wean and as opposed to the daytime so you can get that precious sleep. And, and this is such a nice option that, you know, full weaning can come after, right? But you can kind of try it on for size. That's right. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a very good first step for a lot of folks. I mean, there's some people who don't mind the nighttime waking. Maybe they can sleep through it better. I could never sleep through it well, uh, a toddler nursing. But in general, I think it is a really good first step because yeah, we never really want to just like go cold turkey from from uh, for weaning. I think it's hard on the ba- on the child. It's hard on our boobs. <laughs> we know we got to be really <laughs> careful um, that we do things gradually. So it's a good first step. Yeah. And, and of course your book is, you know, full of this as, as well and, and whatnot, but I would just love to hear your advice that you'd give to parents who are trying to night wean their toddlers, because like you said, it's, you know, something that is also maybe a difficult decision, right? Like, um, you can have maybe some guilt associated with that. So I'd love to hear your advice. Yeah. I mean, I think the emotional piece of it really is at remembering that you, that your needs are important too. And if you are feeling run down and, and that you cannot parent in the way that you need to parent during the day, because the demands of breastfeeding are too high at night, it is a good thing for you to set, to set that boundary and to say no. And, and for me, 
I did night wean while be in the family bed. We didn't do some anything. So I would be like, okay, we're going to have our nighttime boobs and we're, and then we're going to, there's going to be no more. And then we woke up in the family bed and we're like, okay, it's time for milkies. So by knowing that I wasn't going to break that bond or attachment, they still knew I was there. They still knew that they were loved. I was just saying, no, that made that emotional decision a lot easier for me. And I think that I hope that would be the case with others as well. Yeah. And I think what's cool, what I'm hearing you say is that you don't have to take more drastic measures like, you know, taking the child out of the family bed just so you can night wean, right? Like it's still possible to continue some things. In fact, maybe even more so beneficial to continue that, Mm -hmm. but just change one thing. Mm -hmm. Because I see sometimes parents try to like go all or nothing. Like we're going to night wean, you're going to stay in your own room and, and then dad going to come and respond to you and not me. And like, we're ripping all these things away, but you're offering this other way of going, well, we don't have to change all of those things. It's still, your child can actually still stop nursing at night, but you can have these other things. Yes. I, and I think that's a really important uh, thing because toddlers, you know, all of these things are attached to being close to parent and the breastfeeding themselves. And if we, and the mother often in, in, in many cases are the breastfeeding parent. So if we make those huge changes, that actually can really backfire, I think, for parent, for, for the mother because, or the mother or the breastfeeding parent, because it's like, then the baby's reacting to all this change, all this, you know. And so if we only change that one thing, which is the when we breastfeed and then we do that. And then if you want to take the, you know, if you want to transition to a different bed later, or you want to have parent, the other parent do it fine, but one little thing at a time makes it just more, much more gentle. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I just, I love that you, you're just so well-versed in this, right? Like you've just, you've written a great book and I truly think it's an awesome tool for families. Where can listeners go to learn more about you and your work and where can they buy your book? Oh, thanks, Sue. Um, So you can go, the book is available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I do note that I I actually prefer the hardback book, but you have to look for it specifically. So just so you know, the Amazon has them separately on different pages, which is really annoying and I don't know how to fix it. So I would just say Google the Nurses When the Sunshine hardback because then you'll get that really nice cover. But if you want to prefer a softback or it's also a Kindle version as well. Um, you can look for that. And then for me, um, I'm at starlactation.com. That's my that's my website uh, for my, my personal practice. And I do on my website, Star Lactation, have the, there is a basically a night weeding guide that got taken out of the most recent uh, edition. So, and that literally gives you the how to, like, you know, how to get ready uh, to, to, to night wean and what to wear and it's, you know, things like that. And, and, and what to do if your child is ill or should, you know, in the middle of the night weaning process, things like that. So that is on my website as well, currently. Very cool. Well, we will provide the, in the show notes, the links to all versions of the books so that makes it easier for people to find and your website. Well, thank you, Catherine. I so appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Well, it was truly lovely to hear from Catherine about her fantastic book. And now we are going to introduce you to Yvette Reed, who has written not just one, but two books on weaning. And actually, some of her inspiration came from Catherine's book. So you'll hear about that in her interview. But Yvette is a mother. She's a marriage celebrant, and she is a casting director and now author based in Auckland, New Zealand. And uh, her books are a different style of weaning book. And what I love and something that Julie actually mentioned in her interview was how 
you know, there's different different books for different families, different weaning books for different situations. And so if maybe you don't feel like you've quite found the right fit for something for your family yet, maybe Yvette's books are the right fit for you. So she's an incredible human, just a wonderful person. I'm so glad I got to connect with her despite our drastic time difference and being across the world. Isn't technology amazing? So without further ado, let's talk to Yvette Reed. Welcome to the podcast, Yvette. I'm so excited to have you here. And just for our listeners who are getting to know you, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, um, especially in writing books. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. This is really cool. My first podcast. I live in New Zealand. I have uh, one son and two stepdaughters, and I am 41 years old. And um, I've been a actual casting director and celebrant for I guess the last 13 years and I had no aspirations to be a children's book author it just kind of happened so it was something that I did just for my own son I wrote a book specifically for him um, to solve a problem that I had and I never had plans on it going further than that when I first wrote it so yeah that's how I started it was kind of in the same kind of zone as when you see an old chest of drawers on the side of the road and you go, oh, I could take that home and sand it down and varnish it. That was kind of the attitude I had towards self-publishing the book on KDP. I was just like, okay, um, I've got a few months where I don't have much work. COVID was still going on. I had a really good experience with my own son using the technique. And a lot of my friends had said, oh, you should totally rewrite it for other parents to use and publish it. And I just went on to the internet and started Googling, how do you self-publish a book? And before I knew it, I was putting up a listing for an illustrator and then I was like kind of committed. But it was really just a project. I thought if I sell 20 books, if I get help one other parent and one other toddler, that would be really cool. So it's yeah, been quite amazing that it surpassed all those initial expectations, which was just as like a little creative project for myself. That's that's wonderful. And you mentioned that you kind of wrote this for your son, for you and your son, right? So, and then, you know, wanting to help other parents. So it's about weaning and yeah, I just love to hear kind of that inspiration for even writing the story to begin with and and how you crafted it. Yeah, well, at the time it was the beginning of uh, our first COVID lockdown here in New Zealand. And I had time because all my other work had gone away for a period of time. And we were a few months away from my son turning two. And for me, that was my goal um, was to get to two. And then I really wanted some freedom back, the ability to go out in the evening um, on occasion or, you know, have a drink or, I don't know, just have a little bit more freedom for myself. So that was the date. And I had a goal there. And I thought there must be a weaning book that exists that makes this fun or easier for a, for a child. And I searched and searched and searched. And all the weaning books that I came across um, had a messaging that didn't quite sit with what I was wanting to do with him. So they basically had the messaging of you're old now, so it's time to stop. Or it was just basically a nicer way to give bad news, like the milk's going away you're not going to breastfeed anymore. It was, And there was as simple as that. And I just wanted something a little bit more, I guess, emotionally supportive for him. And I had done a little bit of reading, just things that I'd come across about Indigenous tribes that control 
their children's behavior through story rather than punishment. And I thought that was quite interesting. So it was things like maybe they say at nighttime, there's a monster that comes into the lake and it just stops the kids going to swim at night when no one can see them. Or um, if you go in the forest alone, the witch might get you. I don't know. So they don't go into the forest alone. And so that got my my brain ticking over. And then I also started to think of like what Western myths and st- stories we tell our kids. And the tooth fairy was the main bit of inspiration for me because it's so magical and wondrous and it makes this awful thing, your teeth falling out, to be this thing that kids actually look forward to. And then I also thought my, about my own experience being a kid. I was told that Santa Claus existed and I kind of believed it. But I didn't even get a present from Santa. It was just this weird thing where I kept on believing, but my parents always took the credit. All my presents were from from mum or dad. But as I got older, I got a bit jealous thinking about these kids whose parents go to such lengths. They put, you know, reindeer poo outside and fluff in the door on the door, kind of just stuck somewhere or some snowy footprints. Even just the people who do the cookies and the carrots. I was like, oh, that's so cool because. You can see with their kids when they see evidence, there is absolutely no doubt. They're like, it happened. And it's so much more exciting for them. So I was I was trying to think of some sort of legend or myth that I could make up, invent, and say to my son, because he doesn't know that this isn't common, <laughs> this isn't common knowledge, that this is just mum's story. Just just something magical that I could tell him to help help him with the process of letting go of something, which had been a part of his life since day dot. So um, yeah, I came up with the concept that the moon sends mum's mother's booby milk. And when you're done, when it's time, you you send it back. And then the moon has more magic to give to the other newborn babies. And I chose the moon because he was obsessed with it at the time. He would look up to it and be like, oh, the moon. And his dad would point it out to him if he was upset and it would stop him um, from crying. And I was just looking at it one night while they were looking at it. And I was like, it actually is incredible. Like when you look up and see the moon, it already feels like a magical thing. And I think we kind of lose that kind of awe and wonder as we become adults and we forget how amazing simple things like that are. But I, I didn't even have to explain why or how for a while I thought maybe I have to make up some legend about why the why does the moon do it and how does the moon get the magic I was like you know what no he's two I can just say the moon sends the the booby milk and then we send it back and so then I thought about the Santa thing I went how can I give evidence that it's gone back to the moon I didn't want to just say and so I thought about things like maybe an owl flies it to the moon and you see feathers left behind like a fairy. I thought of all these kinds of things. And then um, I thought, no, if he actually sees it go, that would be the biggest thing. And so thinking I was going to be the only one doing it, I got a helium balloon um, that was glow in the dark and we charged it under the wardrobe light. And um, then that night, the night of his birthday, I was like, okay, it's time to say goodbye to booby milk. And his dad took him outside to show him the moon. And then I came out with the glowing balloon and I gave it to him and I said, the booby milk magic's gone into the balloon and now you're going to get back to the moon. And he actually got to let it go as well, which was really good afterwards because then any time he said to me, oh, I want some booby, when I reminded him, no, 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 the booby milk's gone back to the moon, remember? He would go, oh, yeah, I let it go. I let it go and it went to the moon. It flew to the moon. 
And it became like this happy memory for him. So it worked perfectly for me. And the idea of making it a book first came from reading Nurses When the Sun Shines for Night Weaning. So I had read that book to him, but he'd still cried. I know it had helped, but I, I really wanted an experience for total weaning where we had less tears. So yeah, it worked for me and lots of other people since then, which is really cool. Yeah. Oh no. I, I love the whole sort of magic ritual element of it because I think, you know, parents have devised those types of things around like pacifiers, you know, so they'll have them sewn into a stuffed animal. That's the new lovey for the child, or, you know, there's a pacifier fairy, or like you said, trying to take these other tooth fairy Santa Claus types of things And no one had done that for weaning yet. So I think it's great. And then giving the child agency in it and just making them an active participant in it and not just losing something that they've so beloved. So yeah, I think that's just such a great way. And I know you've said too, when we were getting ready to record this, that there's a lot of mothers that you've heard from that the book has had an impact on them. So I'd love to hear about that because, you know, these books are kind of, you know, for the child, right? But breastfeeding isn't just something that the child does. So yeah. Yeah. It's it's something I hadn't thought of when I was writing it. And I think there was certain parts in the book that I knew hit my heartstrings and, and made me tear up and and still do occasionally like right now because I've just spoken to you about how it started and the mindset I was in and the ritual and stuff if I tried to read my book right now I would probably cry on certain pages and um, I get that all the time so um, so many mothers tell me that uh, the first few times they read the book they're in tears and it's because it's helping with the grieving process it's you know acceptance is so important when we're grieving something and I think so often we're so focused on our children that we forget that we're going through something as well. And for mothers, it is a huge change. And um, there's fear involved with the loss of connection. Like, will, will, will I still get as many cuddles and stuff like that? And you do, they come back. And also there's hormones, especially if people cut down quickly, the change in hormones can make a massive um, change to a mother's emotions. And so it's it's really nice when I hear from mothers that they found it healing for them as well. And uh, a lot of them read the book until they feel ready more than when their child feels ready. Sometimes the toddler is ready from day three, but they're like, I need to read this for a few months. And then because every time they've read it, they've imagined that process, that ritual of saying goodbye. And also you can't go back, which is a good, I, I think it's a good thing about Booby Moon is once you've sent that magic back to the moon, you know that you can't really then give in and start nursing again because two weeks later he's got a cold or, you know, he's upset about something because you've sent it back to the moon and you can't do it twice. Otherwise, they won't believe you the second time. So, yeah, it's been amazing to read reviews with mothers that have spoken more about their own experience. And I've seen things on Facebook where people have gone, you know, I'm feeling really upset about the idea of weaning. And to see another mother go, oh, you should do Booby Moon. I'm like, oh, amazing when I don't have to plug my own book. Oh, yes. No, that's great. It was funny because in preparation for this, you know, I went to the the Amazon listing for the book and, you know, just looking at the reviews, which are, of course, awesome. And somebody had made a moon candle 
which I thought was really neat. Yeah, I love that people are making the ritual their own. It doesn't have to be what I did. And I talk about that in the back of the book. I'm like, you know, if you want to do the balloon, great. Obviously, it's not an environmental choice. So you can put a bit of nylon or kite string onto it and then pull it back in once the kid's inside. Um, People have done bubbles. Um, People have done glow-in-the-dark bubbles with black light, sprayed glitter into the air. I love the moon candle. Someone else also just tied a balloon with glow-in-the-dark sticks at the bottom to a tree and told their child that when all the magic had gone to the moon, the glow would be gone. And of course, those glow sticks slowly fade over time. So that was a really cool way of doing it as well. I think the important thing is that it's just something that the child can witness. I love that. Oh, there's so many different ways. And I think what's really cool is that I somehow missed this, but now I know is that you have Booby Moon with two. So tell us about that book. So I wrote Booby Moon for my son, 2020, released it as a book with no gender, no names, (laughs) rhyming for other people, 2021. And then I spent about a year just on lots of breastfeeding and weaning pages and stuff because I had that connection now with my book. Um, And I'd done so much research before I released the book that I was, you know, replying to parents' questions about all sorts of other things, not just about um, my specific way of doing things, but weaning in general. I had noticed that every time tandem feeding mother, so someone who's feeding a baby and a toddler at the same time, every time they'd asked for help online, there was no nothing. There was nobody chiming in with help at all. All they got were follows and people saying, um, me too, I'm regretting it, I don't know what to do. And I was like, there's no resources for these women. And at first I thought, well, I can't help because booby moon, it goes to the moon. So then they wouldn't have any for the baby. But I thought about it for a while and figured out a way, which is just, I think we'll have one last booby, then find the moon in the sky. And we'll say, thank you, booby milk. But it's time to say bye-bye. Mama will keep baby's milk, but mine will fly. We'll see. We'll send my milk to booby moon and feel so proud of me. So just with that one sentence, I've gone, baby's milk will stay, but my milk's going to fly away. And then it it goes into lots of other things to try and help support tandem-fed toddlers. Things about when baby drinks their milk, they'll play with a special toy. I'd done some research into the the things that people would recommend who'd been through it. So I've never tandem-fed. So I wasn't creating it out of a need for me. That the first book was just to solve my problem. This was to solve the problem that I kept on seeing come up on social media where they just didn't have a resource. And I couldn't find a tandem feeding book. Maybe one exists, but I could, in my search, I couldn't find one to recommend to them. So I was like, oh, I'll try and help them out there. Yeah, I can't say that I know of one. And even for a book for parents, there is one. Uh, well, there's more than one, but one that I would consider is kind of more of an instructional manual. And it's been out of print for so long, it's incredibly difficult to find. So yeah, it's it's also a little long and big. So I don't know if we're going to share that with the toddler. Well, this is definitely bigger than the first one because it has to cover so much more. It has to cover a new baby coming Aww. and sharing and you know, then you're growing up and having a birthday. The baby milk's going just for you and then what will you do when the baby feeds and oh. I also made sure to put in it a one day when baby's big like me their milk day it will come just to mm. kind of reiterate that fairness that yes you're sending your booby milk away now 
and one day baby will as well and you'll help show baby how to do it you know you'll you'll show him how it's done I love that. And that's a book like you can, you know, keep that one and then come back to sort of book one, if you will, Booby Moon for when that second child is older. Yeah, and, you could. You know, I, I could see the older one wanting to come back to Booby Moon with two and and have that kind of continuity. So yeah, that's amazing. I love that you you went into those groups and you saw this unsolved problem and really created something that Sounds like it's very needed. And I would say it's very needed. Absolutely. That's uh it's it's such a niche thing to, you know, stop breastfeeding one child and keep going with another for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the trickiest situation, I think. And I really feel for those mothers because I think mothers that tandem feed have the softest hearts. They're the most gentle parents because they're the ones who were pregnant and breastfed through all those aversions. And then when the newborn came and there's, they've now got two to look after, they still went, no, I, I don't want my older baby to feel like I'm casting them aside for the newborn. You know, they're so sensitive that they really want to look after their older child's hearts and, and the whole process of having a sub, younger sibling. And so I think it hurts them even more when they finally go, no. For my own mental health, I've got to stop this now. And they've and I think a lot of them feel like, why did I do this? You know, they feel that feeling of regret. And so I I, I love now that I'm starting to hear from mothers that have used booby men with two. And I, the relief seems even bigger than with the first one because they've just got such a sense of, I guess, relief that they didn't paint themselves into a corner. There was a positive, gentle kind of loving way out of this situation where they could get their mental health back and not feel so thinly spread, I guess. Yeah. Oh gosh. And yeah, one of the reviews I see someone left on the Amazon page for that book um, said how excited their toddler is about Booby Moon. Like that's so great, right? To You may be sad as the mom, like you said, just you know, there's there's a lot of emotions there, but to to have the child be excited about the booby moon in the process. And I think that's great, right? It makes it a little bit easier for us to not have that internalized mom guilt. So yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean the, the coolest thing about it is that I haven't paid a dollar for advertising <laughs> for the, the whole time because mums are great like that. When when a mum does something and it works for them, they tell other mums. And so I just have to be patient, you know. Mm, yes. Oh, it's so true. Wait for word to spread. Yeah. Yes. Those moms groups, it's like uh yeah, something they have to tell the world and and I love that. Um, yeah, well, you've written these two books. Do you have any plans to write any other books or do you have enough to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I do have other jobs, but it's definitely something I want to keep doing now, but I'm not interested in being a children's author for the sake of it. Like, you know, I, I see books come out and the author's definitely thinking from a sales or marketing point of view, you know, mm -hmm. the train that couldn't stop farting or, you know, dinosaur plane or, you know, the turtle that pooed, you know, like you can put certain words together in a title of a book. And if kids are obsessed with dinosaurs, trains and farting, and you say the dinosaur train that wouldn't stop farting, someone's going to buy that book and think, regardless of the content. But I, I really inspired at the moment, I guess because it's been so affirming for me to hear back from people 
just their gratitude that they had this experience and that I solved a parenting problem because when we have a problem in parenting, we feel so desperate for help. That that's my main area of interest, and I'm not out looking for problems. I'm just just gonna keep on parenting, and then if something comes up, and I'm like, maybe a book could help this, then um, I'll write I'll write a book for this <laughs> for that particular situation. But at the moment, I'm working on a Spanish translation of the first Booby Moon book, which is um, a bit of uh, I don't know a good way to say it um, a mind for me because. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish, but yeah, I'm getting some help with that. And it was an int- it's been a very interesting process because not only does it have to have the same content um, in a different language, I also want it to still rhyme. So we'll get there eventually. And then maybe another language. I, I only do it if people ask. So I've had so many people request it. I- I've had a lot of people mention that because I've made my characters kind of olive skin tanned, that a lot of Spanish language speakers were like, oh, my son loves it because it looks like him. I wish it was in Spanish as well. So I've gone, oh, okay, well, if I hear something a few times, then I'll look into it. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I think I think the more languages, the better, especially because I feel like it can be, not always, um, but more common in, you know, non Western cultures, I think, you know, of the US and and Canada and Australia and whatnot, right? Like that they may be more likely to breastfeed longer term. Um, So yeah, offering in multiple languages. Yeah, I think we're quite lucky in other parts of the world, but I'm surprised at how, um, you know, I don't know much about, I guess, what's usual in America. But I mean, uh, America and the UK are the places where I'm selling the most books, but I know you have very little maternity leave. So I'm surprised at how many women do manage to breastfeed for so long. I think it's amazing. It's true. It's really shocking. Well, your contribution, I think is amazing and uh, contributions, right? So yeah, it's just beautiful. And uh, yeah, just um, you're publishing on Amazon, you're doing the KDP. So kind of print on demand, where can people, do you have a website? Where can people can connect with you? And just, you know, we'll link the, the books up in the show notes as well. I have a Facebook page that I've made for it. Um, if anybody wants to ask me a specific question that's not covered in the guide at the back, I answer questions there. And yeah, it's just Amazon. You can request it through bookstores and they will then order it from Ingram Spark. I think that's just the hardcover though. So it's a little bit more expensive than Amazon, but a lot of people like the hardcover because it lasts longer. Oh, I love that that's an option. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with creating these books and how it's helped yourself and your son and so many people. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. In fact, studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations, where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras, and you can get started right now.